Hello and welcome back. I am Skylar Spradlin here with the ever fluorescent, fluorescent, <laughs> fluorescent Larry Jones. Larry Jones, you are fluorescent today, and glowing today. Yes, and this is Doctrine and Doxology, um, a podcast. Good job, you figured it out. It is. It's it's a podcast, and uh, we're glad to be here. Uh, yeah, we are. You're in rare form today. It's a windy day out there today, and I'm just glad to be here. You're just glad to have survived it? Yes. Well, good. Golly gee willikers. I have a load of leaves all over my ground. Those are from my my house. Probably so. Did you blow them out in the street so they could blow down to my house? Yep. Did you get my message? Uh, Pick up my leaves for me? I tied a little letter (laughs) to one of my leaves. Oh, okay. Yeah. That nan nana boo boo <laughs> said thanks for picking these up. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. You're always glad to be here, but you're always just glad. Well, brother, that's the Lord Jesus in my life. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely that. Um, but also, you're just kind of unique. I think that Jesus makes us joyful. Makes yeah. us want to go through life singing, joyful, joyful, we adore you. But I don't know that joy equates necessarily with gladness. No, I don't either. I think gladness is a lot of time is tainted by how we feel. And gladness is whether an, an emotionally developed thing. Gladness whether, is from the emotion, yes. But joy comes with the morning. Comes from Jesus. What is joy? Joy is the uh, bubbling up, springing forth, overflowing of God in your life. As Jesus directed oh, to the lady at the well. That sounds kind of like a cop-out. It'll be within you, a spring of living water, bubbling up to everlasting. He didn't call that joy. What would you call joy? I don't know, a conglomeration of peace and contentment and hope that is at a particular to everlasting particular <laughs> time stronger kind of overpowering you can't just define something as god bubbling up in you that doesn't help me okay that that's just the way i view it yeah, but I'm, I'm, what does that even mean? That means Jesus loves me, and I'm rejoicing in the fact that Jesus loves me and died for me and gave himself for me and has granted eternal life. So yeah, I that, have peace, love, and joy in my heart. Yeah, that's it's not a self-regenerated item. It's yeah, God-regenerated item. I like the last part of that. Yeah, that's good. The first part is, yeah, that's you, but the second part of that was pretty good. Okay. What are we talking about today? We are talking about the power, 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 power of the church. The power of the church. I thought there was something last week that you had mentioned that we needed to talk about that we didn't get to. Uh, What kind of authority does the church have? That, yeah. That's under the main heading of the power of the church. Hmm... Hmm. So would you what would you think the world would be like 
if God was not present with his people. Society. I'm talking about society. Darker. Um, Crime at a rampant pace. Yeah. Murder, mayhem. Yeah, wickedness unrestrained. Wickedness unrestrained, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. Which I think would in turn lead to also more chaos naturally. Yeah, like in, we would in, be like Romans 1. Well, I mean even in like the natural order creation. I think the moral corruption of people can, uh, over long periods of time, corrupt the creation even more. Right. So what effect does our... Do Christians have, or does God have through Christians on government? That's a good question, even if you leave the government part off. And that's a convicting question that churches should ask all the time. What would the world be like if we're not here? And since we are here, what should it be like? That's good. Yeah. What kind of influence does God work through his people on government? That's what you're saying? Yeah. I don't know. That's a hot topic. Well, we do promote sinless society. Yeah. Yes. And we don't have a sinless society, of course. Uh, and even government can jump in and make some ungodly assumptions. Yes. There's no real, in my understanding, which I think is right, uh, there's well, of course. N- there's no real. Um, I think mine's right too. <laughs> <laughs> there's no real like uh, direction for Christians or the church to prevail upon the government, especially in the New Testament. I think there are a few passages that interpret for the church the role of government, but the right, ch- church right. is regarded to a different realm than the government, and. Um, so that that being said, I don't think the church should try to prevail herself upon the government. However, however, a church that is doing her job and her role and honoring Christ in life like she should, I mean like a global church, yeah, does have influence upon the government through her example and her existence. And we find yes. that all throughout church history, and I'm even thinking more back to the time before um, Christianity was legal in the Roman Empire, before the conversion of Constantine, the government was blaming Christians, um, but they were also restraining themselves in some ways because of the moral example of Christians. They were intrigued by them yeah. And, yeah. Th- and threatened by them. Then Constantine's converted and Christianity takes a, a more state kind of position, becomes the the um, religion of the state. But then other even Islamic governments or other religious governments, even atheistic governments throughout history would invite missionaries because of the moral influence of the church. So I don't yeah, think Christians right. should... Or, or the church should try to prevail herself upon government for a lot of reasons. 
but I think her godly example and existence will influence the government. That's good. You that know was that a the very uh, long answer, wasn't it? Yeah, even in uh, motels, many motels, many like little many, ones for little several, little bitty hotels. The most hotels, oh. at least in the United States, desire to have uh, Bibles in their bedside drawers. Absolutely, and one of the reasons because it prevents bad things happening in their motels. Absolutely. God's Word kind of can get into a heart and make a change. Well, we know it stops suicides. Yes, it does. And that's one of the stated reasons that they would like Bibles in their sure. rooms. So I guess I'm saying that, you know, Christians probably should be involved in government. I would like to think that many of our congressmen and senators should be Christians. I would rather have some Christians there than no Christians at all. Right, but I don't I don't want to equate that to a command from God. Yeah, I don't want to say the church should be doing that. Of course I want believers in all sectors and areas of society. Life. Yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, you want them on your school board because uh, you you want to promote godly life yeah but does that mean that christians or the church should be lobbying for these matters matters or working for these matters i personally think the role of the church is to call believers to be faithful where they're at for some that is going to be in the yes government or school board or whatever else yeah and it it might be yeah the church is designed for specific purposes yeah and to control government is not one of those yeah well and frankly it doesn't work yeah when we look throughout history and uh it's it's never worked and the reason is because uh christians can't even agree on the mode of baptism they can't even agree on the nature of the lord's supper they can't even agree on style of music in a worship service how would they even agree to run a a government or to right, to right. influence a government they can't and so uh th- that that was true for the puritans who tried to run england during the english republic it didn't work out because there turned out to be a lot more fighting among christians <laughs> because well, which which group gets to be in control but then even eventually, beyond that, um, people in government begin to appoint people that will keep those people in power. And so they appoint bishops that will keep them in power. They promote denominations or groups that hold them up. And it just gets to be a big corrupted mess. It can, yes. And I've, I think that's been proven since the time of Constantine and the con- conversion of Constantine but the authority of the church on church people helps yes. pattern what your government's going to look like. Yes. So the church does bear authority in the world. Yeah, to some extent, yes. And I think that's the impetus behind Jesus telling Peter, here's the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind right. will right. be bound, whatever you loose will be loosed kind of thing. Yeah. 
Pretty good. You must have read my notes. No, but I think that's the... That's a part of, of this chapter. I do think that's the proper understanding of the church's authority, that she bears authority over the the interpretation of the Word of God. Yes, yes. Uh, she bears authority over the interpretation and proclamation of the gospel. And she bears authority over the conduct and lives of God's people. Right. The power of the church, excuse me, the power of the church is its God-given authority to carry on spiritual warfare, proclaim the gospel, and exercise church discipline. You agree with those statements? Same again. The power of the church is its God-given authority to carry on spiritual warfare, proclaim the gospel, and exercise church discipline. Yeah. That's all you got to say? Just yeah? Well, I'm thinking about it. Oh, yeah, okay. but yeah, I agree with those things. That's what you asked. Do you agree? Yeah, I do agree. Okay. Um, Case closed. Okay, next subject. Yeah, spiritual warfare. That's one. I'm just thinking that through. That's um, That's good. Yeah. Church discipline the, is like the, I mean, I get what's, what's being said there, but it's hard for me to just kind of lump what I believe the church's authority in the Christian's life to be into the category of church discipline because that's kind of like the last. Right, right. I think the church bears authority in other ways before it gets to church discipline. Right. Well, we want to please our Lord. That's our primary objective as believers. We want to honor God, please Him. But if we start falling in unrepentant sin, then the thought of church discipline as yeah. its intention may keep us from falling off the edge of the cliff. Yeah. May bring us back into the fold. Right. But I think the church still exercises authority in a few other ways. Um well, like Reminding. if you and I start falling into sin, we we correct each other in love, with kindness, with uh, love in our hearts, and get the log out of your own eye before you take yeah. my splinter out. Yeah. All of that, I think we should clarify, is built on the scriptures. So Yes, yes, absolutely. The church's authority doesn't go beyond the Bible. Right. But the church doesn't bear authority everywhere the Bible bears authority either. Well, you have to clarify me on that one. Well, in some sense, the, I mean, yeah, in some sense they do, but in some sense they don't. The Bible bears universal authority as the Word of God. Yes. So it yes. has authority over governments. It has authority over unbelievers. It has authority over everyone, whether or not they like it. Because it proclaims sovereignty of God. Yeah, because it comes from the one who's Lord over them. Right. But that doesn't mean the church is exercising authority over the government or even over the unbeliever's life. We can't discipline an unbeliever. No, we can't. And and we've, you know, in our discussions as small group, we've talked about this very subject, church discipline. Yeah. And it's hard to discipline someone who's not of your fold. Yeah. If it's a stray sheep comes in from another fold, how can the shepherd of this flock discipline right the sheep of another flock yeah or even a wild goat right happens to drift down into your midst yeah so you know i think 
the authority of the church is built on the authority of the scriptures. But even in those realms where the church doesn't have authority, they can speak authoritatively with the scriptures. Yeah, we can speak. You're talking about just speaking God's truth to yeah, a situation. So, so we may not bear, the church may not bear authority over the government, but they can speak God's word to the government authoritatively. Yes. Because the yes. word has authority. And same with an unbeliever's life. In fact, that's kind of what we do in evangelism, although we do it with a different sort of tone. But we're calling people to obey the gospel by believing it. Right. Yeah, to turn away from sin and and to repent and believe. Yeah. Um, that's how the Bible describes it in some parts, not in all parts, but in some parts. So, yes, the church has power, has power vested in it by the Spirit, has power vested in it strictly by the Word of God. So its authority only extends to the Word of God. I think all of this comes back to the understanding of First Peter 2, the priesthood of all believers that not one Christian bears all these things, but when all the believers come together as a as a priesthood of believers in a okay. local congregation, okay. Christ has vested them with this corporate authority as ambassadors or representatives of him in the world. Cool. I, I just I think we need to understand that priesthood dynamic here. That's you're talking a bunch of people filled with the Holy Spirit who are led by Christ, and right. they make up one body, and that body bears authority. So you and I don't don't bear authority over anything or anyone, but the church does. And God's word yeah. carries an element of authority as well. Absolutely. Yeah. What are you looking for? Another question? Well. No, the next part of this chapter is on church discipline. And I don't know if you want to jump into that. I mean, we've talked a lot about it on here. What, I mean, what do you want to say about it? Well, just uh, the purpose of it, the reason behind it. Uh, part of it is, you know, the church does have authority over our lives. Yeah. <clears throat> because if we get out of, uh, if we start doing a sin that's an unrepentant sin then the church and the brotherhood the brothers and sisters in christ need to come to you and and let you know you're falling away yeah please turn return and then we saw in first um, corinthians where one person was in an unrepentant sin and and paul says you need to take him out away from your congregation yeah well it's got a twofold pur- purpose to it. Yes. To restore the believer believer or the sinner and to try to tell them, hey, don't go down that road. The bridge is out. To try to spare right, them and right. save them, restore them. Uh, but it's also got a purpose of maintaining the purity of the church and the reputation of Christ. Right. And so in love, we want to restore a brother or a sister from going down a path of destruction. Right. 
but we also at the same time realize we can't just prolong things. We have to protect the reputation of Christ and the purity of his people. Right. And so discipline has this dual effect even in people. And and those who are in the church who vote to discipline a person usually walk away incredibly humbled. Oh, and yes. with a sense of trembling and a re, mm-hmm. re renewed desire to pursue holiness. Yeah, yeah. That was the third reason you didn't mention earlier, to keep sin from spreading to others. Yeah. It reminds me that if I sin, I'll be in the same situation that this uh, maybe brother is in. Yeah. Well, we've we've seen that, right? We've seen that happen. Right. It it lead to that. And and it, you know, we discussed it in our small group, and one of the things that resounds in my mind about that experience is the sadness that it caused in our hearts. Yeah. Because we we have a brother that's going astray, and we should mourn his going. It's yeah. almost like. Almost like someone died. Yeah. But there's always the hope that this event will cause that person to repent and come back. Uh, you never are kicking someone out because that's punishment. Yeah. It's more of a discipline. Yeah. Uh, I'm disciplining my child to correct their behavior. Yeah. Not to, not to kick them out of the family. Right. Well, I think um, people need to realize that the churches they join, uh, these local expressions of the global church, uh, they do bear authority in their life, and it's important uh, to to submit to that authority, to understand that authority, to be a part of that authority in in making decisions and even holding others accountable. So church isn't... And we just get in this in our minds this idea that church is just about attendance uh, or being a part, but there is real spiritual authority taking place here, and right. uh, we we shouldn't right. take that lightly. I'm kind of wondering about churches, and there are probably quite a few that do not practice church discipline. Yeah, because they they want to be so inclusive that they even allow people to be a part or membership in their church who are living in God-defined sin. Yeah. Uh, God says in his word that this is wrong, and they say, well, it's okay. You can be a part of our church and still practice that sin. Yeah. Where hopefully... It hinders the gospel. Yeah, and it distorts it. Yeah. Yeah. and then the outsider looking in says, well, I can go to church there and keep my sin. Right. Not There's no really, reason to repent. Yeah, not really repent or not see the distinction. Why would I even follow that? You know, if they're living like the world, what's the point? Right. Or I can, like you said, I can keep living like the world. Sure. And I can be a part of this religious group and I've got a ticket to heaven. Yeah. And the truth is they don't. Yeah. Yeah. The authority that the church bears and the authority that the church exercises is ultimately for that. It's for the the clarity and advancement of the gospel. Yeah, yeah.
and through that the glorification of God. And hopefully all the churches in our area and around the world, if you want to get that go that far, are going to follow God's word exactly and and draw others in because they want a relationship with God. Yeah. Not just an easy pathway to escape from hell. Yeah. Well, uh, I hope this conversation gets somebody to think uh, particularly about the importance of belonging to the church and being a part of it and involved in it, not just around it or attending, but involved because it does bear in God's economy uh, by his ordination some sense of spiritual authority uh, in their lives and the lives of others. And that means we as individuals have responsibilities. Uh, as it pertains to that that church and relating to that church. So that's kind of my goal for people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're out of time, man. Okay. Just went by like a like a whistle in the wind. There it goes. It's out of here. <laughs> well, let me pray. Father, we are truly grateful for many, many things. Uh, of course, your wonderful gift of life, the salvation you've offered to us so freely, We're thankful for the great cost and help us to always remember the cost that was paid for our our souls. Help us, Lord, to uh, share that wonderful good news with the lost around us. And I thank you for the church. I thank you for a bunch of uh, believers who love me, care for me, correct me when I'm wrong, and point me to you. So please uh, bless the church. Help us to accomplish its purpose, and uh, may we walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.